Welcome to the Weekend Must Watch on Intercut, where we wade our way through the latest in theaters, streaming, and on demand. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he will not accept a life he does not deserve, it's Arturo Zurita. Zach, we have so much to discuss. I feel like we've been gone two weeks because... We've been gone two weeks. We had the whole South by trip that we did in order to catch up on all those movies, which we will uh, later on this week. But Zach, how you been? It's been a minute. Yeah, I've been okay. I got I got a little bit of a, a flu during the time that you were at South by, but it's okay because can stay home and then watch some movies. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't the bad flu. It was just the regular flu. I got so, my flu. Um, coming I'm doing okay home. now. I'm aching and breaking from all the sneezing that I got at South by. There wasn't that many horror movies, but yeah. the horror was sometimes sitting in these theaters with, you know, that scene in Contagion. Yeah, I lived that scene in Contagion for like about a week. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it isn't really a true film festival experience if you don't pick up some bug while you're there. Uh, I feel like yes. every every long film festival experience I've had, I've gotten sick at some point in the experience, and unfortunately, it seems to happen to me when I do the virtual film festivals as well. But uh, yeah, uh, what do you got sitting next to you I'm in the virtual that... film festivals? You're gonna have to ask for vaccine IDs <laughs> in your own home. <laughs> You're going to be worse than the Disney debut yeah, contracts you got to sign. Oh. I'm going to do the vaccine check at the door. Uh, anyway, we got a whole bunch of movies that we missed in the last two weeks to talk about. We're not going to get into those South by Southwest movies yet, but we'll be back tomorrow with a Let Us Explain South by Southwest Film Festival rank. So if you're tuning in for some coverage of that, uh, make sure to check back with the podcast tomorrow. Do want to give a quick note to our listeners that we are going to switch our podcast hosting service over from SoundCloud to Anchor. Uh, it should not interrupt anybody getting their audio feed. Uh, it's supposed to be seamless. So I guess we'll find out by we'll the end of the out. week. The only people it might affect are the people who are downloading directly from SoundCloud. So just wanted to throw that out there as a heads up to uh, be aware and, and check for uh, the audio feed. That's it, Make sure it's still working by the end of the week or maybe the start of next week. Should not be a problem. Thanks for continuing to hang with us. We're going to talk to you about a lot of movies this week. But I think the main focus is that, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about the lack of sex in modern movies, right? Like <laughs> Things are very sterile. Things are very clean. There, there's not a lot of uh, erotic material in widely distributed so films. So they say... That changed in a big way this weekend with a few. Uh, which lusty film do you want to start with first? Should we go? Should we go to X? Should we go to Deep Water? Should we even go to Turning Red? I don't know which way you want to start this. But uh, what, what have you been watching, it, Art? Yeah, let's start with theaters and then we'll take it to streaming. Uh, X premiered at the South by Southwest Film Festival. They were keeping things very right. hush hush. I don't know how your screening had it, but when they came out, the cast and crew were like, "Please don't say a word about this." So this is definitely <laughs> one of those horror movies where you want to go into it and experience it raw for the first time and hey i think i think it was a blast obviously we had kid cuddy in our theater which was fantastic to see him sporting his boots but if you're a fan of ty west it is a welcome return to the man over here uh the movie pretty much follows a film crew that is shooting a pornographic film as the title plays off of the fact that movies back in the day used to be rated x that was their way uh (laughs) to be able to get into theaters and not have a rating 
before the NC-17 thing, so many movies were just like, screw it, we're just going to take the X rating and then just uh, see if we can get away with it. Obviously, a lot of porn videos were made because of that. And so this movie is kind of breaking into that idea that one of the guys who's who's not really directing but producing the series um, or, or this film realizes that the home theater market is the way to go. And that's like a really big, mm-hmm. well, one of the angles that the movie takes that, you know, the consumer is going to be able to get this directly to their home. X is in theaters, though, and it's definitely a crowd pleaser that I think you want to uh, experience with an audience that's just like looking for a horror film that uh, probably every 10 minutes, something's going to shock you because it lives up to the Mm -hmm. X name. Yeah, I mean, it's doing this really interesting thing of kind of pairing uh, all these horror elements with these more graphic, like uh, sexual elements in the pornography uh, sideline of the story. And it does a cool thing where it's talking about these as sort of, it's sort of presenting them as taboos and as uh, the types of things that get, you know, that are treated as like, don't talk about them. Don't feel, don't uh, mess with them. Um, And I I think Ty West is doing something pretty sophisticated in terms of how he's balancing those elements in his story, the craft work here. Like there's some kills here that are, are very surprising and very visceral in a way that like, I'm not a person who takes a lot of glee in horror uh, it being portrayed on screen, Mm -hmm. but even I got a, a bit of a, like, exciting jump from some moments in the film. He's a guy who really knows his way around, around horror. And, uh, you know, for a while it kind of felt like he was not necessarily working at the level that he had been, he had developed a reputation for. Uh, this is definitely a return to form. And I think it's a very exciting movie with a really fun cast. I've, I've re- listened to some interviews where he said he really wants you to kind of fall in love with these people uh, before things start to turn horrific. And I think he do- gets a really good job of like getting you into their story, getting you into their dynamic, cast the roles really well. I really love uh, Brittany Snow in this movie. Jenna Ortega, who's de- de- uh, becoming like a new scream rising queen. scream queen. Scream- oh, yeah. It's certified already, Zach. I'm not, I don't have to wait any longer for that. She's certified on that. Uh, she killed it in this Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. I have a question for you. Do you think, uh, with the shock that the kills have, on a rewatch, once you have that factor gone, do you think it still lives up to the height? Because that was one where I was like, right, I like where the story is going. There are some elements mm-hmm. to it where it's very deep in terms of what it's trying to say about sexuality, getting older, yeah. all these different elements. The entire thing is an homage to a bunch of horror movies that came before it. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think it loses a lot of its steam on a rewatch once that shock factor well, is see, gone? It's the it's those other elements that you talk about that I think would maybe make it a rewarding on a rewatch. I think there are some really interesting things they're saying about sexuality and desire and uh, the deteriorating bodies and, and and also just the idea of that deterioration and that inability to to be our full selves as a thing that is horrific, right? Like it's not it's not just that the killing is horrific. There's a lot of other horrific elements at play, and I. I I think it's really well crafted. I think those are the things that I'll really respond to. There's a couple like Chekhov's gun type of things where they'll mm-hmm. introduce an element in the beginning of the film that shows up at the end that I think just are very rewarding payoffs that mm-hmm. you get when you actually think about how you craft a movie like this. Um, I was really uh, enjoy. I really enjoyed it. It's not necessarily like going to be one that I think of when it comes to year-end lists time, but I think in terms of a mood and in terms of executing these different set pieces, it's just very well done. Stay for the credits. 
turns out he's got a much bigger story planned for the X universe X that he talked about you loving the characters yeah. well he's got a lot more in store so yeah, there's a lot more to say with spoilers uh, I'll probably be making a follow me on it because I just I, I was counting all the homages I was like ah I see that one there I see that one there uh, I think he did a really good job with it yeah I dug X uh, where should we go next you want to talk about the Adam project uh, I did not the get to latest catch this Netflix one. blockbuster Look, I'll, I I'll mean, say this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Alina's sister had texted and goes, "Why is Ryan Reynolds everywhere? She got hit with this. She got hit with I forgot. Six Underground is planned. <laughs> the Red Notice, is, Free Guy. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Does this live up to the original IP that this man continues to push? I don't know, man. I mean, I was very not into this movie okay. at all. I, I know there's a lot of people who really enjoy it, but I just found it, it to yeah. be the yeah. I I found it to be the blandest attempt at like kind of franchisedom out. It's it just so like pleased with itself, but in an unearned way. I I don't know. I just I found it very boring. I. I I, I'll admit that I'm not necessarily like I, I don't feel like I was like fully into the movie, but like I don't know this. This is just the stuff that I, I get depressed to see at the top of the Netflix. What's the premise? I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I so much talk about this that I just don't even know what it's about. Uh, Ryan Reynolds time travels to a younger version of himself to stop a thing from happening. Oh, I thought it was like so midnight. Like I thought it was like midnight special. <laughs> no, so it's midnight no, special, that, but that would be cooler. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the the Netflix original that I was more taken with uh, is Windfall, the Talk latest from director Charlie McDowell, who has uh, done some other films, particularly the one I love. I think is a really good movie. I really like that. Um, one, yeah. yeah, and this one is a pretty cool kind of limited thriller, uh, a very kind of gingerly paced but tense movie three a three-hander with jason siegel lily collins and jesse plemons uh with jason siegel starring as a man who breaks into a tech billionaire's home uh when they show up and things start to go sideways and i think it does a really good job of kind of playing things from moment to moment in order to sort of keep the keep the tension sort of uh, tight, right? Like there's no really release of energy. It's just build and build and build, and they stack complication on top of complication on top of complication, and in a way that it it makes your brain kind of go and sort of like what what's the way out? What's the next move? And I think movies like that can be really engaging. Uh, it's elevated by what I thought were really star solid performances from the three actors here, uh, all of whom I like quite a Jesse bit. But did. I think it's it's cool to see them in in maybe a little bit different than a mode. Jesse's got a little bit more of a cockiness to him than I I associate with his, uh, his screen work. Jason Segel, I think there's a there's a toughness there too. Yeah. Um, and then Lily is also surprising, especially towards the end of the film. I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was a pretty solid thriller. Okay. Uh, this one we had gotten early. I was at Sundance, so I did not. I'm still playing recap on a lot of these little tiny ones over here. This is the top of my list because uh, I don't know if you pulled it up, but definitely would recommend. Jason Siegel was in The One I Love, right? If I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, I'm no, mistaken. no. That was uh, Duplass. Duplass. Okay. That's Which the one, one that also yeah. takes place all in a house. Highly recommended. That's is one of my favorite yeah. endings of it, a I almost wonder if they, if they were shot at the same house. They kind of looked like the same house. Could be. All right. I'll, 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 I have this one on my radar. Uh, yeah. I would definitely recommend Windfall. 
Should we talk a little bit about some of the Disney Plus movies, starting with yeah. uh, Cheaper by the Dozen? The Disney Plus original movies. This is one that deserves it. Not the one that we'll be talking after the fact, but Cheaper by the Dozen is the, uh, a lot of people were thinking it was a remake, but it, it's really a remake of the remake because the originals that a lot of people yeah. know, the originals, uh, were also a remake from back in the day. The difference being is that those actually felt like theatrical movies that you could take the whole family to see. Yeah. You could feel the Disney Channel originalness, I guess, the Disney yeah. plus originalness in this one. I try to not be too harsh to kids' movies because I think generally people are like you know they are they're made for a different audience than the audience who typically reviews it. But even then, there's just a lack of cohesiveness here that mm-hmm. almost made it feel like you said not like a movie. Like I almost felt like it was three episodes of a TV show kind of stitched together it's, in yeah. a weird way, where like. Gabrielle Union's off on her little island dealing with the different Mons and Zach Braff's on his own island dealing with the sauce company for some reason. And then there's these weird the kids, unrelated kids you gotta stories. You got to combine it. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's not enough scenes of like just the entire family also for a movie like this. I think that's one of the things that you made those original films more enjoyable is just the bigness of them. And there was not that. It didn't feel big in that way. You also had a much better cast with the original. No offense to the to the cast of kids in here, but it really is Gabrielle Union and Braff who are really carrying the movie. And I don't think oh, it's yeah. a bad story. You know, they tried to get into some things, especially with it being a biracial blended family. Um, mm-hmm. But you don't really fall in love with the kids because the kids really do feel like yeah. you're going to be the goth kid. You're going to be this kid, that kid, the one who has this taste. And I felt like in the original, you really... I keep calling it the original. In the uh, Martin one, you actually Steve felt... Steve Martin one, yeah. Yeah, you actually felt like these kids had personalities to them. And with it also even having a sequel, I think you were able to live with the family a lot more and you could feel the scope of the house and the ins and outs of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you. I think that they're also working on a miniseries for this, but... Uh, look, I just yeah. don't like the cheapness of it. Exactly. And it's a shame because I actually do, like you said, feel like Zach Braff and Gabrielle Union are really charming in this. Like they, yeah, they are fine. way better than the material they're given. And I dozen. can just imagine a, yeah, that's the thing. I can, I can imagine a better version of this, but all the performances are like very child actory, right? Like they're all broad and big and not, they don't feel like people. You could hear the directors saying, no, like this, <laughs> right before yeah. uh, a kid comes out on screen. But, you know, it's not the worst thing. Like you said, this is really meant to be that movie of the week, the movie of the night that uh, Disney Channel's, or I keep calling it Disney Channel, but it really is. Disney Plus is now the new Disney Channel. Um, yeah. And you know what? If that's what it's going to do, that's fine. But do not treat other movies like this one right here, okay? You cannot be relegating, is that the word? Pixar to just being another thing in your catalog. It is very upsetting to see that. Turning yeah. Red is so cringy in the best way possible. Uh, yeah. I know that, look, again, even Alina's little sister was saying, did you hear about this Turning Red controversy? I did not know it was that big. They were talking about it at South by. That's when I was texting you. I was like, someone get fired really? off of this Turning Red controversy? Look, people were turning red for turning red. Uh, I was turning on in the middle of South by to catch this because I needed to make up my own opinion. Uh, charming, dude. <laughs> Is it cringy as can be? 100%. But I loved the intricacies of being able to cover this. Um, you usually have a kid who hates their parents and wants to like break out. Mm. It's so interesting to see a kid who really loves spending time with their mom. But it's also trying mm-hmm. to find their own path. 
Yeah, like the the whole idea of not necessarily being old enough or mature enough to know that your parents aren't always right and how scary cool. that can be to kind of go out of that bubble that that zone of comfort and I think there's that's a really interesting story I think it's presented really cool in this film yeah I, I got to rewatch it in the time since our last uh, stream and I it solidified it to me that this is my favorite uh, Pixar film in quite a while at least 10 years wow. um, I don't know I don't know if you were as high on it, but I just found it to be very, very charming. I also have been spending a lot of time with that soundtrack because the boy Ludwig killed it again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've I've spent any time listening to it. It's so good. I it, sound, s- it sounds like the uh, the Bruno Mars finesse sound, uh, song just like extended into a score. Interesting. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to check that out because I saw that they kind of like animated music videos for the boy band as well, which... Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Billy yeah. Eilish, Phineas O'Connell, yeah. Actually uh, spread it out. But no, that's really interesting. I know they are, there's also a behind-the-scenes making of the Beware the Panda, I think it's what it's called, on Disney+, Plus, which I appreciate because usually, and I don't know, this may be indicative of something else, they give you that Marvel show and then you got to wait like three weeks to see the making of thing. They gave it to you both yeah. at the same time, which I appreciate. It also makes you feel like, damn, they're really dumping these Pixar movies. They're just ready to get rid of yeah. them. Here's that. Here's the behind-the-scenes. All right, call it a day. I think it's very disappointing to see how they're dumping a lot of these. I know Pixar, uh, the Pixar employees got together and wrote a letter. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's going to do. Disney's just treating them like the Pixar <laughs> lamp and just stomping on them. They don't care. Uh, you told me that literally only one theater was playing this in New York. So, Yeah, they. I think they're basically doing a... Um, Oscar qualifying theatrical run in New York and LA where it will play in one theater in each city for a week. And that's basically like the minimum you have to do in order to be eligible for best animated feature. So at least it will be eligible, but like this would be a delightful film to see in a theater. So um, it's very, Mm -hmm. very, um, surprising like especially considering the the lack of big theatrical releases this week i mean like it felt like the outfit was the biggest movie in theaters this weekend yeah, they, there they hasn't, hasn't been like a <laughs> right it, it's i don't know no, it's no, say i think it was, there, there hasn't been like a family film they're not going to go yeah. see x um uh, or the outfit this would have been the perfect time to have released turning red and turning red would have come out last week when families weren't going to take their kids to go see the three hour the batman so it just makes no sense for me it makes no sense to have a company that's trying to be so forward and push you know representation and then they're like yeah let's represent this over on our streaming service it's a yeah. pixar movie treat uh, it like a pixar movie Getting just briefly into the thing that you were mentioning, there was those reports of the uh, Pixar employees writing a letter to, uh, I think it was Bob Chapik, and, you know, uh, bristling at the company's uh, recent political stances in terms of uh, donations. Uh, Disney has sort of tried to peddle that back, uh, and there's reports that (laughs) Pixar... Keep going. <laughs> yeah, there's the, they restored a same-sex kiss to the movie Lightyear after this employee protest. And it's funny to me because I feel like a lot of people are talking about this as like this win for equality and the, this triumph. And I think the bigger story is like Disney censored a same-sex kiss, right? Like they they this was in the movie and then some executive decided they were not allowed to do this. No, 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 no bro. I'm going to tell you what happened. They cut it so then they can say they put it back. I don't trust a damn thing Disney does. You already know me, bro. I, I don't believe in any of this. Any single person that that usually a lot of people that tell you that they're pro whatever it is are doing mm-hmm. it for show. I think the way that you phrase it for a lot of festivals is that they're just looking out for themselves. 
mm-hmm. I don't I don't buy a lot of this. I want to hear from the people who are working on these things, and if they feel represented, then they feel represented. And for Pixar, I think it's really bogus that a, a, a movie that big, uh, and also a very Canadian movie, a very international movie, uh, gets put here. I don't I don't you don't get a plus from me on this. Absolutely. All right, so sticking with Disney produced. Uh, movies about lust, I guess, if that's what we want to go with. Uh, a much a much more uh, erotic version of it. We're going into Adrian Lyne's first film in 20 years. It's a doc, right? And unfortunately, <laughs> it feels like it at times. Uh, did, did not get the theatrical run, but maybe that's best, because I don't, I don't know if I want to hear people around me for different mm. moments in this movie. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Deep Water with Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas, the ex-lovers turned exes. Uh, a love story with some dark elements to it in terms of <laughs> some cuckolding and some potential violence. I think it's a pretty slow burn thriller, it but is. by the end it does get into some some pretty um, thrilling aspects and and gets a lot more intense. Did you enjoy Deepwater, though? I don't know if enjoyed is the correct word, Zach. Uh, There are a lot of (laughs) images that will stay with me, and it is a story that feels like Gone Girl meets Mr. and Mrs. Smith meets just the schlockiest De Palma that you could possibly find as well. But it still feels like a censored version, and I think that's the worst part of the movie. If you're going to go deep, Mm -hmm. then go deep. You were talked about that there's actually a longer cut. <laughs> yeah, so if you paid attention to the release when it was uh, scheduled to be a theatrical release, it was supposed to be two and a half hours long, even a little bit longer than that. And the version that's on Hulu is a little bit shorter than two hours long. So there's just 38 minutes of that movie sitting on the cutting room floor. And, you know, I don't know if, like, J-Lo got to the editors or something like that, but they... they I want to see... All of it, right? Like, give Adrian Lynn hasn't made a movie in 20 years. Give, just give it to me. It, it's What I don't understand is, like, Disney is clearly not putting a lot of effort behind this. It hasn't gotten a big marketing push. They're just kind of throwing it on Hulu for a weekend. Why not just give us the un, the full version, the uncut version? Like, why, what's the point of censoring it? Like, aren't you going to get more people talking about it if it is the Uncensored? crazy version of this movie? And this is what, the second project that we're dealing with, Ana de Armas getting cut because there's also that Marilyn Monroe one for Netflix that was turned in as an NC-17. The d- director refuses to cut it down. Give us the whole things. In the era of streaming, that's what we're here for. That's why they split, right? Disney Plus and Hulu, Mm -hmm. so that you could have the adult stuff over here. Uh, It doesn't matter anymore now that they put all the Marvel. (laughs) Yeah, Disney Plus asked me to change my seatings to TVMA. I don't know. I got a a pin number now just to log into Disney Plus. It's ridiculous. (laughs) If you're on Hulu, then put all the XNC17 stuff there. Release the full cut. Y'all can do it. Yeah. I mean, I think there are some interesting elements here. I, I think it did become kind of like trashy fun towards the end, but it also just feels very chopped up. It doesn't, there's it doesn't a lack play. of flow to certain parts, especially the ending. Like that is, if that is not like a hack together ending, I don't know what to, what is. Um, I, I, it's like a maybe very, very slight recommendation from me. Just it's still. A, yeah, because it's streaming. It's so bad. It's definitely go check it out if you want to. But I, I think a lot of people have been falling on the boring side, which is the worst thing you can have for something that's supposed to keep you talking, going, ugh. To have people fall asleep yeah. when you have two of the biggest celebrities out there, it shows you that they kind of messed up in the edit. 
But I, I, I still had uh, a time with it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I had exactly. a time with it. Yep. All right, let's talk about a couple Sundance movies that are now available uh, with Master finally available mm-hmm. on Amazon Prime. I don't know if you had a chance to revisit it or if you had any more thoughts. Uh, I was listening to a couple of interviews from the director, uh, especially because it had mm-hmm. played at South by, so, so there was some more uh, you know, coverage and interviews about it. And it was interesting to hear her discuss that when she went, I want to say it's Yale, don't quote me on that, they had her set up a master. Every single student has to have a master. And she's like, why are they called masters? And they look over you, and it was in her research that she came up with this movie. I know this was one that I think most of us liked, but we didn't fully love. It felt like it wrapped stuff up a little bit too quickly, or it should have fleshed out stuff a little bit more, especially with the characters it was covering. Um, But I I am going to revisit this when I'm working on a video for this, uh, because I I still found the ideas in there very interesting. And uh, I'm curious to see, knowing what the ending is, how the buildup to that, because there's supernatural elements, mm-hmm. there's, there's like institutionalized, you know, I don't want to call it corruption, but to a degree that uh, there's a lot going on in the movie. And I'm very curious uh, to see how it plays again. Look at the look at the poster, bro. They sent us the, the PNGs to it. It's written in uh, slashes like what would be whipped onto skin behind the master oh. thing. That that was when I was like, all right, let me <laughs> let me listen to some more interviews here on what she has to say. Right. I, I, it really uh, stood out to me when they had sent us the packet. So this is one that I, I'm yeah. going to rewatch. But I, I was pretty positive on it, and especially with it being on Prime. My only thing is I don't like how Prime handles their horrors. I feel that they get thrown to the side. So mm-hmm. if you do have Prime, give this one a watch. Um, I don't think it's a waste of time. I, I think that there's a lot of interesting ideas in there. I'm just curious to see on a rewatch how it fleshes them out. Uh, even more. Yes, same. I mean, it's definitely, it, there feels like a lot of movie there, and I don't know if it's like one whole movie or a couple different movies trying to mm-hmm. stitch themselves together. Um, you know, sometimes movies are divisive, and you'll see people like, somebody gives it a two star, somebody gives it a four star. Oh, and, like, best movies. I, I literally have... I literally have friends on Letterboxd who gave it four and a half stars and one star. So this is this is a divisive movie. Uh, but yeah, that that means there's something happening here, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know if I think it's like good or great or maybe kind of bad. But I I was very struck by it when we saw it at Sundance. So now that it's out, uh, when I have some time, I'm gonna give it a rewatch. I gave it a three uh, and, and a half. Alice... I would go higher, by the way. Three and a half. I would go higher. I don't know what I get, Alice, but that's gonna go lower. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know about Alice, man. I don't know about I, this Alice is one that I'm. I don't think I'm going to rewatch, but if you are ready for it, it is available on VOD. There are its defenders out there. Some people okay. uh, really like Kiki Palmer's Afro antics, but like, I, I don't know, man. It, it just didn't really add up to me. And maybe it's the an- sa- sour taste of antebellum in my mouth, but like, just part two. Th- those movies are just hard to. Pull, pull apart from each other, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, this being a movie in where you have a woman who's enslaved in Georgia believing that she's transported into the future. Uh, I want to say it was the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're yeah. playing with this whole black exploitation where she, where she realizes, look how far we've come. But there's some twists and turns that happen in the movie that were just, I mean, you already mentioned what it's like. And I was so anticipated. Uh, this is one of my most anticipated yeah. ones out of, uh, going into Sundance, and I just felt like, we're just doing this again. I don't know what's in the water, man, but a lot of people are, are making kind of the similar movie, and I'm like, it didn't work before. I don't really see there being a version of this that works. Y'all just got to cut yeah. it and go with something else. So, Yeah. Uh, 
the after party wrapped up its run on Apple TV plus I am behind on this show, but I wanted to know what you thought of, uh, how things came to a conclusion because we did also learn that the after party will be back with a new case for season two with Tiffany Haddish. Okay. This is by Chris, uh, Chris uh, Miller and Phil Lord whatever their names are. Yeah. Um, big fans of them, obviously. And I was really excited for this show because it's pretty much a murder mystery that's going on. Obviously also being a comedy of uh, a high school reunion that happens. And they're all at this after party when someone gets murdered. The person getting murdered is Xavier played by Franco right there. Who's this big star. Hey, Franco, who, yeah. Uh, because it's an Apple series, you can go to Apple Music and he's got his whole album there. So they have this whole interconnected <laughs> world through the Apple ecosystem. But, you know, Tiffany Hannish comes in as a detective who's trying to figure out which one of these people did it. And it's OK. Like, it could have been a lot better. There are elements to the comedy where it's very hit or miss. So you're staying with some characters who you're either going to jive with what they're bringing to the table. Maybe not. It's the murder mystery that really just disappointed me. It's, mm. it's there's a there's an element of it that I really like. There's an element of it that I hate. It's one of those where you rewatch and you're like, none of that was there, you know, and, and you mm. kind of call out the fact that in the last episode, they're trying to replay you things. And it's like, ah, but if I go back and rewatch it, will it be there? And I just felt e that most of it isn't. And more than right. that, it just doesn't seem. I don't know. I don't want to get too spoiler like, into it, but I, I know what you. Yeah. Yeah. And some shows become like that much more rewarding on the rewatch because you see the puzzle pieces. And from what I'm taking from what you're saying, it's like it, it almost feels like the opposite with the way they wrote the after party. Yeah. And again, it wasn't a it wasn't a bad series. And with it being a season two, you could definitely tell that uh, the main person who's going through the episodes which is kind of confusing because it is Tiffany Haddish. But in reality, uh, it's our dude who uh, Sam, who's been in a bunch Sam of Richardson, yeah, he's been yeah. in a bunch of stuff. He really is the lead. And then they kind of go like, no, but it could be her because then we could do a bunch of series with her investigating stuff and i like her character um but there's there's points where it you know when a, a, a comedy mystery thriller is like yeah we're gonna be really big on the details but when we want to be lazy we'll, we'll just we're a comedy remember and i don't like comedy yeah. mystery thrillers that do that so it, it's okay but from lord and miller it should be great yeah i hear you i hear you um, there's another show that I wanted to mention that popped up on Netflix. It's Human Resources, the Big Mouth spinoff. I've, I've talked about uh, the merits of Big Mouth on our podcast before. I think it's mm -hmm. a really fun time because it has this just uh, very silly energy. And there's so many of my favorite comedians who show up as different voices. It, it's just one of the best joke delivery machines, I think, on TV right now. So, like, I had some interest in the human resources TV show, although like that's never really been my favorite part of big mouth are the monsters and whatever that they mm -hmm. created. And I think the show showed me why it's like, I, I have no <laughs> real investment in the inner workings of a fictional office place for the hormone monsters and stuff like that. Like it, it just sort of feels untethered to anything important because they are so far removed from the humans that they're, you know, controlling or manipulating or whatever. In fact, like, I think the, the thing that really resonated to me is that the moments in human resources that I enjoyed the most were the times that they actually spent with human characters. So what's the point of the show that takes place in the monster world if that's all the least interesting stuff? Um, I don't know. It felt a lot of like rejected jokes from Big Mouth. I mean, Big Mouth is on its like fifth or Bruh. sixth season yeah. now. So it, 
I don't know. It, maybe it's a little bit too late in that show's timeline to kind of like spin it off for more material. But it just this season didn't hit for me, man. I, I don't know. I'm still I'm still enjoying Big Mouth. Um, but yeah, I, maybe a little. They've extended themselves a little bit too far with human resources. Dude, you were talking about the boys show that also has a spinoff. There's a bunch of like. I think yeah, you're onto diabolical. the idea that yeah, any jokes that didn't work within their world, they're realizing. <laughs> We, there's no more cutting room floor with streaming. Right. They just pick that up yeah. and Frankenstein something together. They sent us this early. Uh, I put on one episode. I know it's dumb to say that Big Mouth is a it's a good show. It's dumb to say that it's also very loud. Um, this was nothing yeah. but loud. So I didn't get to finish it all uh, of the first episode. So I'm going to take your word for it since you're the bigger Big Mouth fan. And this felt like, yeah, just just nothing but loudness. So it's out there, though. Everything's going to get a spinoff. Yeah, everything is going to get a spinoff sooner or later. But uh, that's about it for what we've been watching. We're going to talk about the latest happenings in the entertainment industry with our yay or nay. So if you have any questions about what's been happening out there, feel free to send us uh, your questions. We'll talk about them. Uh, But there's a whole bunch of interesting news that is worth talking about. I think the biggest bit of concern for... uh, us streamers and watchers and you know people who are paying for different services now is the news that Netflix may be cracking down on password sharing mm-hmm. uh, apparently they're looking to deter account sharing from different households so uh, a lot of a lot of ex-girlfriends ex-boyfriends ex-whatevers are going to lose their access i don't know what you feel about this news but it is the latest in a bunch of decisions that Netflix has made, which kind of feel less user friendly than uh, <laughs> than you'd like for a uh, service that keeps canceling shows that people like. Um, I don't know, man. This combined with the the big price increase, I'm seeing more and more I people know. talking about canceling their Netflix accounts, and I don't know that stock. <laughs> we, we talked about their stock That's back when is, we were yeah. in Utah, and it, it keeps going down. <sighs> Look, I. I think it's bad. I think they're scared. Uh, like, obviously, it's an issue from the consumer perspective, so we'll talk about that first, but it, it seems bigger. I don't understand how they're going to do this because people watch Netflix at work. People can travel. People can do different things. Um, I'm sure that they have their ins and outs and they have our patterns of ISPs already written down, but it just seems like something that's going to be more of a hassle for people. And look, people are people. They're going to find another way around it. You know, they're going to find ways to still be able to password share um to me it shows me that they're scared this is the first time they're really put they're always saying it they're always saying it this is the first time they're actually pushing it uh one of the other news that we had was about nbc cutting their ties with hulu because they're like we have peacock Mm -hmm. why do we need hulu and hulu's like we just stole the stuff from netflix we just stole the marvel shows from netflix so marvel or netflix must be really scared in terms of content I think that they are worried that at a certain point they will not be able to continue to flex this idea of having a movie per week, all these shows that they have. Mm -hmm. That's what I see here, and that's what worries me the most. You and I just did uh, a whole bracket with streaming services with movie files, shout out. And I think in two years' time, Netflix is going to look really scary when all of Mm -hmm. these other services don't want to have a movie on Netflix because they have their own streaming service. 
I don't know if there will be enough Netflix originals because Netflix originals still need to be made up of actors. And if those actors have right. contracts with somebody else, with Disney, with Universal, I, I think it's going to be looking down for Netflix just like their stock is. No, I mean, that's the thing is like it, with all these different services kind of like they're closing the doors, they're raising the drawbridge, right? Mm-hmm. They're, no, they're not licensing out their different content. Netflix is really going to yes. have to rely on their own it's stuff. And, and that's not a great thing for Netflix because, uh, uh, you know, <sighs> their number one show today is Is It Cake? The game show. About, based on the Twitter trend from two years ago. And it's just like not, they, it's not hitting like it used to, all right? Like it's not hitting like it did in the House of Cards days. Um, yep. I, I don't know. To me, I think this is also an indicator of how scared they are about the lack of increasing subscribers, right? Like they had this big boost right at the start of yeah. the COVID pandemic because everybody was home and their growth since then has slowed. And wh- what's one way to try and um, get grow the number of subscribers? Make more people get an account in order to use Netflix. And, so, you know, if, if that's how what they have to do in order to increase their subscriber numbers, man, I, I don't know. It, I don't know if that's a long-term strategy for yeah. them. It, it's gonna it's gonna be bad for them. I, I am worried for them. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk any more about the uh, NBC decision to remove their pro- programming from Hulu uh, and cutting stock? Be, besides people now needing an extra service, if you don't already have Peacock, if you've been used to watching those NBC shows there, it's gonna really suck. The fact that you now have to get another one. You know, I don't take for granted the fact that we get to do this for a living. People do not have every single streaming service. That's not how it works. Right. And you know. <laughs> broken record to say we went from these bundles from cable and now we kind of need streaming bundles over here it's going to be interesting to see the stock change though i know this is the nerdy part but we were kind of discussing that if nbc removes their stock that means more of disney that means more of maybe another company coming in and that also changed the landscape of streaming so i don't know we'll see yeah i mean i think there might have been a deal in place where nbc was supposed to get rid of their stock by like 2025 or Ah, something but they basically decided to like to like do it sooner and i think it's really a a sign that they are maybe worried about peacock or maybe they just don't want to do any more favors for a disney what will ultimately be a disney owned service right it is already yeah we haven't seen the growth of Peacock that I think a lot of people at NBC might want, despite all the original programming they have, despite all the sports that they have. It's yeah. still just not like considered one of the major players. It, even want. the fact that they got stuff like The Office and Parks and Rec, like that hasn't really yeah, made it like a must subscribe thing. Not yet. Um, they're working in the background, bro. You know, they are. I don't trust Peacock. They are, and. And look, I, I also think, like, as somebody who tries to bring up TV comedies as often as I can on the podcast, like, no no network is doing TV comedies better than NBC. Yeah. They have a long history of it. The catalog is unrivaled. And they continue to put out really interesting shows. Shout out, Grand Crew. So, no, Grand Crew's on Hulu. I have Peacock. It it'll, won't be anymore. I have Peacock, bro. <laughs> I, that was what I was telling you because I thought it was the, the, the Quinta show, the AP bio, but that's ABC. So they're able to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I guess another one to add here was with Warner brothers, Warner brothers and discovery are starting to do a bundle first. They announced their merger. Yeah. And I guess they're going to be doing a discovery max, a discovery HBO. Yeah. Um, I I prefer (laughs) the two things combined, but it's going to be interesting Mm -hmm. to see all the grandfathered people finally get the knock on the door. Like I am. I, I just feel it. They're going to boot us out of our grandfathered pricing, and I think that's kind of bogus. Yeah. But. 
Yeah, that that's the real interesting thing to see is like, yeah, they're going to be combining the services, which is going to bring in a lot more subscribers because a lot of people are on Discovery Plus. What will the price ultimately be? And, and how, like, at what point are uh, we paying cable box prices yeah. just to do what HBO Max and Netflix? That's that's worse. And how than ugly cable, is right? the platform going to look now that you have not yeah. HBO stuff, but uh, here's all your HDTV or whatever else is on Discovery? Yeah. <sighs> it's about to change really, really quickly. Uh, got some questions in the comments. Some people were curious about our thoughts on Rachel Zegler apparently not being invited to the Oscars. Uh, not sure if you had any thoughts on this because there have been a lot of uh, reports of the different presenters and uh, different people who will be part of the Oscars ceremony. It has been a little bit messy. I mean, they announced today that like Tony Hawk, Sean White, and uh, what is it, Christian? Not not some some other extreme sports dude are okay. going to be presenters at the Oscars, and it's a little bizarre that you'd go to Tony Hawk before the star of West Side Story. But that makes no sense. I don't know. Well, my yeah, only question is: is what's his name going to be there? Ahead. If they're allowing uh, the rest of the cast to go, why not the lead of the movie? I personally feel that if it's not any movie nominated for Best Picture, everyone should be there. Mm-hmm. Who is taking up yeah. these seats, Zach? <laughs> I want them, if it was just picture, for them to all be there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's you kind of want them to show up all on stage and everything like that. And I don't know. It, it's it's no definitely sense. surprising. Uh, I don't know. I, some, I don't like to criticize the decisions behind some of the Oscars producing too heavily before we, we see I what's just, actually happening. Yeah, I right? can't. Like I saw them. all these people... I, I saw all these people who are like, why haven't the Oscars asked Beyonce to perform? It's like, of why? course the Oscars asked Beyonce to, to perform. She like, no. may, why isn't she, she? She said no, probably. Like, there's reports now that she might actually be performing. But like, you, random Twitter user, you didn't come up with the idea to invite Beyonce. I promise you that. So they want to be that. We'll, we'll see if there's like, maybe they just like aren't really inviting a lot of the actors who aren't nominated. I mean, if it means that they're going to focus more on the nominees and maybe <laughs> spend some time talking about the ones that aren't on the telecast, it's good with me. But if they're just not inviting her because they forgot or something, it's bizarre. That's lame. Make her a presenter. She's very charming. I agree. Devesh had also mentioned in terms of the Oscars about any shorts prior to the festival. And I know we have our three categories of the doc shorts and we also have yeah. animated and live. Any ones that stand out to so you? So I think... I think we were talking about potentially doing like a like a Oscars thing later in the week, and maybe mm-hmm. that's where we'll break down some of our thoughts on the shorts. Uh, and also, I wanted to get in my predictions later, so I, I haven't had enough time to dive in on all of the shorts. I saw some people in the live stream comments mentioning that uh, one of the shorts is Netflix's Robin Robin, which I think is the front runner in animated. I thought that one was very delightful. I think it's an Ardman movie, so it has that very cute animation style. So mm-hmm. I definitely would recommend that one. Uh, what's the best one that you've seen of the shorts so far? Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily best ones, but I will say that if you have the ability to go on Eventive, uh, recently they just did a queen of basketball uh stream that i was telling mm. zach about in where it's produced by Shaq, and it's a very good short about a female basketball player back in the day who wasn't just great she was stuck in an era before the wmba and the ncaa and it's very intriguing to see her story and it was really funny to see that uh in the fourth quarter 
the boy Shaq ended up getting Steph Curry to come in and produce. So much so that Steph Curry isn't even in the credits of the short yet. <laughs> um, so if you do have uh, an eventive profile, it is free. There are a lot of shorts there that are doing this really cool thing where you're able to watch the movie along with a Q&A with the filmmakers. So if you get the chance, um, I would definitely put that on your radar. Go check out any of these shorts, Google them, and there's a big chance that you may be able to see it from the comfort of your own home. Uh, I think AMC and Music Box is also hosting, uh, like, viewings for all of these combined together on screenings so there's a couple that i miss if we're not able to get screenings of it i may just have to go uh catch one of these showings but i will say this now after south by after seeing a bunch of those shorts i see now that they're shortlisted here and now they mean something to me and they messed up bro some of these should have been their censor a dream should have been a live action short for sure oh really so i, I can tell you that much yeah. right there but yeah a lot of these hey, at are least they YouTube. made the shortlist at least they made the shortlist but uh if any of y'all have any suggestions even if it was shortlisted or any other shorts, definitely let us know in the comments. Uh, moving on to another news story here. TikTok became an official partner of the Cannes Film Festival, and they was announced that Cannes will even be doing a short film contest for TikTok shorts that are between 30 seconds and three minutes in length. Art, what do you think of the Cannes Film Festival making room for TikTok in its platform? There shouldn't be too much time with it, considering how short they are. But when I think French cinema, yeah, I think Addison Ray, really. And uh, hey, <laughs> it's them moving with the flow of where things go. It's just interesting to mm -hmm. think back that they were really against streaming at one point. Streaming, right? Now these are videos on your phone. It's a marketing right. tool. But, I mean, it is. It is a marketing tool, and I think it's kind of a smart one, right? Like, it's it's definitely a way to open things up to a generation of people who might be not be paying attention to the Cannes Film Festival. And I think that restricting it to being three minutes long, like, it's shorts, you know? There's always been shorts at a film festival. It's not going to be, like... Addison Ray competing with uh, the with the Darden brothers, you know, they're they're in their separate areas. <laughs> um, I think it's smart, and I I think that this is the kind of thing the Oscars should have been doing instead of canceling the editing award, right? Like exactly. th this would have been a much smarter way to go about getting a different type of audience <laughs> to pay attention to your thing. And it's a good partner because, like you said, it's uh, all the behind the scenes. So they're saying that they're exclusively showing you all the behind the scenes through TikTok. So if you want to catch any of the people walking the red carpet and stuff. Uh, with them being their partner, they're going to give you all that access. So it's just surprising, yeah. but it's a smart business decision. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Tushar asked in the live stream comments, with Don't Look Up upsetting at the Writers Guild Awards, what are you predicting upsetting. at original Ugh. or screenplay don't, now? Don't. So We're going to have to drink during that period. I'm going to say that much. Good thing we don't live stream the our Oscar reactions because that'll, be that'll be the point. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. I have man. nothing to say, um, man. I don't even want to wish it into existence. I think that um, both the main categories at the Oscars and particularly the screenplay categories have this weird habit of sort of Pissing you like off. it's like a pendulum swinging yeah. where where they'll swing towards like oh this is the coolest movie at the Oscars we're gonna give Jordan Peele the screenplay for best original screen the Oscar for best original screenplay and then it'll swing the other way and it'll it'll be the worst screenplay in the competition and I guess that's why it looks like uh, maybe Coda is gonna win uh, screenplay now but. Uh, Man, they're doing they're doing my boy PTA wrong. Ten, ten nominations and he might not get one win. Makes no sense to me, bro. But yeah, I, I mean, we'll see where it goes. The Oscars are going to be very, very fun. And for all the patrons out there, a reminder that we're going to be doing a follow up the next day, a whole hangout. 
venting, but hopefully celebrating the Oscars. So we'll see a lot of y'all there. Yeah. I will say it is very exciting because sometimes we go into the Oscars with a very clear idea of like, okay, Nomadland. It's going to be Nomadland. It's mm-hmm. going to be Chloe Zhao. It's going to be Francis McDormand. And this year it's not quite so clear. Like maybe maybe it feels like, yeah, it's going to be Will Smith. And yeah, there's a couple categories yeah, that yeah. feel like they're locked in. But picture does not feel really locked in. A lot of the screenwriting awards don't feel locked in. Like I feel like director's locked in. But the other acting awards, I don't know. I don't know. There's... There's some interesting surprises in store for us on Oscars night for sure. Uh, Film Flick, just to wrap up the interview questions right here, also had mentioned between Kristen Stewart and Chastain. Who do we think is going to go? And like you said, not only is it not concrete, but I just don't want that pendulum to swing over to Ricardo's. No, 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 no. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. In a room that just happens yeah. to be my house when I'm watching these Oscars. I don't want that. Yeah. Won't feel good in a place like this for sure. Um, I... I think that there is a chance we could see Kristen Stewart. Like, um, I'm actually thinking of putting some bets on on the Oscars this year, and Do it. her odds are good. Just in terms of betting, like she's, I think she's like a seven to one or something. So you could win decent money if you put put it on her. But I, I, you know, I think that's a potentially losing proposition. If you're asking me, like, what is going to happen, I think it's Chastain's. I think Chastain has built a, a pretty much a solid legacy with Oscar voters and she's very friendly. She's uh, somebody who's campaigning hard. So I don't know. I, I would lean towards Chastain in my predictions, at least. All I'm banking and all, right, all so I'm betting we, on oh, go ahead. is having the best Oscar recipe list that I'm going to be competing with Zach with. He let me in on what he's going to be making and I plan to overtake him. So come next week when Ooh. we're doing our okay. our Oscars. Okay. Oh yeah, Zach. When we're doing our Oscar spreads, I will be having video to present. Zach's going to be taking his pictures of his spread and we're going to leave it to the intercuities to be to, to let us know. Would y'all rather come to New York or okay. Chicago for the Oscar party? <laughs> don't we cheat and put see. your pizza in the licorice pizza box. It's not fair because I don't have one of those. <laughs> Uh, it'll be my, a fun competition for sure. My Dune thing's just going to be water. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. I'm excited to see what you're going to cook up. It'll be fun. Well, luckily, we uh, can't maybe see we the can flavor send each other some... things. There's no taste tests. Right, right. No taste tests. That, that's what we got to do. We got to send each other a bite. Yeah. It's just going to be AR. We'll see. <laughs> um, Yasin in the live stream comments here also says, what do you guys think about the whole Coda versus the power of the dog debate on Twitter? Right oh, now, it seems like things. most, yeah, most people on Twitter seem to uh, be go- gathering around the idea that it's going to come down to either power of the dog or Coda for best picture because power of the dog has won the most precursor awards. And if you are the kind of person who looks at the previous winners and what other track records were like more signs are pointing to power of the dog but there is a lot of momentum forming around coda with its ensemble win at the screen actors guild award with its uh writers guild win with its uh producers guild win so there's all these people who think that it could come down to uh coda and it's also i think uh, brought up a pretty interesting like hostility between fans where if you were a fan of Power of the Dog, you talk about Kodo like it's the most simplistic Hallmark Channel, uh, you know, flimsy, cheesy, uh, useless you, movie ever. And if you, you said it, I'm are a fan of Kodo... And if you're a fan of Coda, uh, you talk about Power of the Dog like it's the most inaccessible, pretentious, yeah. high-minded movie out there. So, like, it's it's bothering me that it's becoming, you know, like, Crips and Bloods or something. That's but Oscars. 
that that's what happens. And like I, one of these movies is going to become a villain to some people. Um, I don't want to see Coda as the villain because I think that's worse for its reputation. Like I think I think Power of the Dog can handle that. Power of the but, Dog can handle it. It's a movie that was bred for something like that. Here's my thing. It's the discussion. I think the discussions are so dumb. I have my bias towards how I feel towards both movies, and I think Power of the Dog is a very fantastic movie, and I think Coda is a really charming movie. It is really ridiculous to be like, you cannot critique Coda. Then why are you critiquing yeah. Power of the Dog? It goes both ways. <laughs> I think we've gone into this pendulum swing where y'all sounded like Disney execs. You can't critique Coda? Coda what does Coda stand for, Zach? It's the child of a death adult. It is not mm-hmm. being led by death adults. It is not even a, the yeah. profound movie that That's... you want it to be. Also, yeah. y'all are repping Apple so hard. There are a bunch of Netflix movies that could have won Best Picture at any point, but Apple's really convincing y'all with that $25 million that they dropped on yeah. here to really defend a movie with logic that makes no sense to me. I've been seeing discussions about people saying like, oh, you don't like this one. Uh, it, it's oh, Sorry, it's very telling for the people who are talking down on a movie. What kind of equality is that? It's also very telling right. if you're over criti- over praising a movie just because it has people with a disability. Right. That's so ridiculous. That's almost more condescending. It's condescending. And I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> we should host a podcast. Hey. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the thing. The, the that is the one thing about the Coda versus Power of the Dog debate that has bothered me. The idea that Coda is the important movie, and when it is something that like d- it does not center on deaf people, right? Like that, and there are people within the deaf community who have commented uh, that they were bothered by the movie's portrayal hey, of exist. deaf people as a burden. They blame those yeah, people. Let's not that listen to no them. Sense. Let's listen to the actors who were like, it's, I don't know. It, it bothers me that people are trying to put this label on a thing. It almost feels like when people are trying to call Green Book important, it's like, really? Is it really what you say it is? Because like, there, it's not like this is the first movie featuring deaf actors. We, we've talked about the tribe in the past a very hey, different the movie totally but like mm-hmm. that is a movie that features in 100% deaf actors in it and no subtitles either yeah. but it, I, it, I don't know it's a I, I think it's also fascinating that people are just overlooking that Drive My Car is another film that features a prominent Ooh. non-speaking actor in a, in a big role and that's but, how you know that they the people who are fighting for the message don't really care about the message when there is right. that is in other things as well I don't see why we don't all get together yeah. And collectively hate Belfast. Like, that's what we should be doing. <laughs> right. Like, why isn't Belfast the front runner so we can just argue about why it doesn't deserve Ugh. that, huh? Disgusting. <laughs> We're going to look back at Coda right, 10 look- years from now, and the think pieces are going to be like, can you believe they allowed a movie like that where they had? Well, I'm not going to spoil Coda. But a third act where the character has to do that, it's going to be real funny, Zach. Yeah. Uh, Berkeley. I don't know. Let's wrap <laughs> things up with the new to see where we talk about some of the things that are coming out soon. And we're going to th- start things off by mentioning a couple film festivals because maybe you are uh, looking for some new things to watch. Maybe you are in the area that you can attend the Oxford Film Festival in 2022. It's 19th year. There aren't a lot of virtual offerings at the Oxford Film Festival. Um, 18 and a half did look interesting to me. Interesting. but. In in person, they have Sundance films like A Love Song, Calendar Girls, Three Minutes Lengthening, which you loved. Uh, Poser that played at Tribeca. Uh, they have a secret screening, which I don't know, maybe that'll be cool. Ooh. So if you live near Oxford, Mississippi, you can give that one a gander. Oxford. Oh, I thought you meant Oxford. Uh, okay. 
and then there's the Boston Underground Film Festival, the sec- 22nd Boston Underground Film Festival. Uh, that one runs from the 23rd to the 27th. They have a few movies from Sundance, including You Won't Be Alone, Hatching, Watcher. They've got Neutron. They've got Neptune Frost. They've got Lexa Turna and I Vortex. See that one too. Damn, I'm gonna need to go to Boston. Yeah, so pretty cool lineup, especially if you're into some of the more like horror-y or like disturbing kind of films. Uh, both of those festivals sh- start on March 23rd. Then on March 24th, we get the long-awaited premiere of Halo, the Halo TV show. Art, this was another South by Southwest premiere. Did you get around to Halo? No, I had to wait too many other movies to watch. Plus, yeah. I think we only got a couple of episodes, right? So I'm yeah, very excited the for the Halo two. fans. Uh, Paramount really needs a win. I think it's only mm-hmm. that they're hanging on by the Star Trek fans right now. So I'm hoping that the gamers really come in to help them out. It looks cool. I don't have that bias for Halo. So I'm going to be going into it without... Uh, I'm, a, I'm a PlayStation guy. I've never been an Xbox guy. So uh, You didn't play Ascension you didn't do a battle royale on Ascension or King of the Hill and Blood Gulch, no. Are you excited, Zach? Are you looking for? <laughs> I'm not. I, did, I I I think there's a time in my life where I would have been really excited, but it kind of feels like they're they're not trying to do. They're, they're trying to be like, oh, we only are using some stuff from Halo. We're not really Halo. Okay. Like they're not. I don't know. I know um, they've had red. It's and also blue. like I've never. They've had. A I was never base. into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was never into Halo for its story, though. Like, it was a fun game to play. And it's another case of where, like, are you really adapting the game for the right reasons? Uh-huh. Like, I, I, I wasn't there for the world. I was there because it felt cool to shoot the gun. You want to be Master Chief Javik. You don't, you don't want to be sitting there watching it happen. Exactly. It'll exactly. be interesting. Uh, yeah. Also out on March 24th is The Spine of Night. This Big was for me. at last year's South by Southwest Film Festival. Uh, yeah, I know you enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, pretty cool, like, fantasy animation thing going on there. Uh, then on March 25th, over the weekend, we have a few new release movies, including Seven Days, which premiered at last year's Tribeca Film Festival uh, with Gerald, uh, Geraldine Viswanathan and Karen Sony. It's co-written by Karen Sony. Yeah, I think we, we thought this one was pretty charming, it right? Is. It's this romantic comedy that sort of uses COVID as an excuse to lock its characters together, and it's sort of these opposites attract kind of thing. I, I thought it was very charming, particularly because uh, Geraldine Viswanathan and Karen Sony are really, really fun to watch mm-hmm. on screen and fun opposite of each other. If you're familiar with like her from Blockers or Bad Education or him from Safety Not Guaranteed or Deadpool and, and like either of their works... I would uh, definitely recommend checking out Seven Days. And it won an indie award, I think, too, so I'm getting some good receptions. Uh, Bridgerton returns for season two on Netflix on Friday. I don't know if you've dug into those screeners at all. Oh, this week, we've got season two a week early. I am doing nothing but going through all of that. If Deep Water wasn't enough, uh, or Netflix this time around has got the Shondaland series. I've never seen the first season either. So I am going through both seasons back to back this upcoming week and trying to see why it became the phenom that uh, a lot of people made it out to be. So have you caught any of Bridgerton? Uh, I tried catching the first episode and it's just not really for me. I've never really been into the Shondaland shows and especially like mixing that with a period piece. It's just two things that I don't normally go for. But we'll see. A lot of people love it. A lot of people love it. All right. 
the movie that I am really excited for is the return of yes, the boys, sir. Daniels, Daniel and Daniel with everything everywhere all at once. This one premiered at South by Southwest. I'm incredibly jealous of you that you have seen this one already. And I haven't, um, I don't want you to talk about it too much because we are going to talk about it a lot on mm. the future of intercut. <clears throat> I'm seeing it on Thursday, but Ooh. just, just, just tell the people how excited they should be. Is good. <laughs> I, I'm so excited for this movie. If man. this is your first Daniels. It's, Nice. Uh, but go watch Swiss Army Man. I'm very I'm very conflicted right now on which one I like more. And I think that's a really good thing. I came really? out of saying it's got to be Swiss. But now I have to rewatch Swiss because I don't know. There's wow. a third, the third act in this is fantastic. But uh, just a precursor for those, if this is your first Daniels film, it is crazy. It is what the title says it is. They go all out. When you think that you're not supposed to do something, they do it. Um, I guess the best thing to prep yourself for the movie is go watch the Turn Down for What video. They directed that with <laughs> yeah. Little John. Um, if you're good with that, it's two hours of that energy, baby. Yeah, I'm so glad you get to see it early because so I know excited. that they're uh, they're doing a, a stilted release. But I had told Zach as soon as I came out yeah. of it, the best, one of the top five festival Q and A's we've ever had, bro. Someone asked the the, the question, uh, "What advice would you?" It's the final question. What what advice would you give to the whatever? Everybody groaned. Their response. Makes me want to ask that question to the next directors I see. What a beautiful answer. I, they killed it, man. Oh, man. It's great. I'm so excited for these guys. I mean, they have so much exciting energy. You know, I back when Swiss Army Men first came out, like I did a deep dive through all of their short film and music video work just because I thought they were such interesting, yeah. uh, interesting people. And they had this unique perspective and, and style to their movies. And what's cool is you really see that they've grown from their short film work into their feature film work. Ooh. Like they're not, they didn't change or abandon Ooh. that stuff. It's all, the seeds are all it's there. It's them as adults so, like now. You said, yes. Yeah. W watch uh, the turn down for what music video, watch some of their short films too. Um, I think there's something, I forget the name of it, but there's something with sweating and uh, I don't know. It was very funny. Okay. It's, it's worth it. They're, they're really cool. What else is out this weekend? The Lost City, another South by Southwest premiere premiering film. I'm catching this one on Friday. What do you think? What did you think? Did you enjoy your time with Channing and Sandra? It's a cute little uh, comedy adventure movie. Uh, they shot this during COVID, but they did shoot it on location over in the Dominican Republic. Uh, got to see this at South by. It was dope to see Sandra there. Channing wasn't there. Uh, but yeah, I'd give mm. it like a decent rent to, you know, if you're going out to theaters, it's because you're going out probably for a date movie. And I think it definitely fulfills that. I didn't realize that Channing was actually supposed to be, uh, I think it was supposed to be Ryan Reynolds again. So I'm at least Thank the movie guys that we didn't have yet another Ryan Reynolds. I like Ryan, but it ends up being Channing. I think he brings a, a nice charm to it. Brad Pitt's the best part of the movie, in my opinion. Um, but there are a lot of elements where even though they shot on location, it looks green screen as can be. Uh, not every totally. joke hits. Sometimes they sacrifice a joke for the adventure, and sometimes they sacrifice the adventure for a joke. But it's a decent movie. If you saw the trailer and it intrigued you... Um, that's because you've seen the whole movie, but <laughs> go watch it in theaters if you want to see it stretched out. Yeah, it's the whole movie's out. Let me ask you, let me ask you this one thing because, like, it's no secret Brad Pitt is in this movie. Like, if you're looking at the letterbox, his face is there. He's all over the trailer. Like, why did they not save that to be a cameo? He's already good with it being spoiled. How much better would it have been if you walk in there and you see him? 
I know. It, but, like, that's the thing. Like, we can't have fun surprises at the movies anymore. If Brad Pitt's in the movie, they have to use him for the poster, right? I mean, they've even changed it. It was in the book, there's this, or in the movie, it's a bit about, it's the lost city of, I forget what the town is, right? And they're like, oh, it's too big, so we had to short it to lost city of D. Look, what's the movie called, Zach? Lost city. Even the studio Mm -hmm. dropped the D, so. uh, Yeah, let's just say the marketing isn't the best for it, but it's an all right movie. If, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's all right. You caught Mothering Um, Sunday, so I'll be catching this. yeah. I mean, honestly, I did not enjoy my time with this at all. Maybe it is influenced by the fact that I watched this with, like, a very high fever. But Uh, I was just confused as to why Odessa Young was wandering around this house naked constantly. Uh, It did not really feel like there was a whole lot of there there, not a lot of movement in the plot. I I can't say that I had, like, the best experience or the most attentive experience uh, watching this. My, My nose was leaking, but... It, yeah, uh, not a recommended from me, uh, unless this is like this genre is totally your jam, bro. I got a link for Chicago. Uh, I had a ticket for Chicago, and then <laughs> I had a link for this. It's just I have not been able to catch, and I think I know why now. Yeah, just not calling for you, I guess. <sighs> guess not. Uh, there is a movie playing in limited release here in New York. It's playing at the BAM Theater. It played at Sundance 2021, and I didn't catch it, but I think you enjoyed Superior. Yeah, right? if this is the superior we're talking about, I thought it was pretty decently shot. I think they might have shot it on film. And you have these two twin sisters hmm. uh, and kind of uh, there's a short of this. So if you can catch the short online, if that intrigues you, then I say definitely go check out the movie. For me, it's it's a rent it because I like what they did with it. I can't really recommend people to go out to see it in theaters. But I think they do some interesting things uh, with the movie that... I think a lot of people didn't really respond to out of Sundance, but there was a whole slew between this and Mayday. I think there's like one more where they had something going with it. And I, I really like uh, how they filmed it um, and, and the, the characters, but it's very much a niche type of audience. Like there's going to be a group of people who love this movie, so it's not going to be for everyone. Hmm. Hence why they're playing it at the BAM Theater in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, literally one theater, a one theater it. theatrical release. I liked it. Yeah. I, I'm sure it'll be on VOD soon after that, too. So yeah. maybe something to keep on your radar if that sounds intriguing. All right, let's wrap this up with some picks for the week. What are you recommending that the people check out at home? Hey, uh, so many stuff in streaming. We were talking about so many sex-filled adventures. Well, let me let me, let me me give you one with nuns going crazy and being very sexually explicit. Yeah. Bob Verhoeven's yeah. Benedetta. I paid for this movie. But now it's on Hulu for y'all to catch the craziness. Yep. If you're there and you're watching Deepwater and you're like, eh, it wasn't crazy enough for me. Well, keep on uh, flicking through because Benedetta is insane. A crazy poster, all dealing with this nunnery where things ain't holy there. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, I went into it as blank as possible. And it is a crazy experience, not for the faint of heart. I will repeat this again, not for the faint of heart. But if you want something crazy, go check this out. There were protests against this movie. You know what? Screw it. I know why. I can see why. <laughs> you ever be like, I don't agree with the protest, but yeah, it's your right. Go go for it. <laughs> That's this movie. Um, <laughs> over on Showtime, they have Violet, a movie that we really liked out of South by Southwest uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Really good directing from Justine Bateman and uh, where everything is going on inside the mind of Olivia Munn. Uh, and she couldn't keep some stuff in her mind. So now the movie has just plopped over on Showtime, which also has After Yang. If you haven't caught After Yang, I heard that Showtime is kind of doing an SVOD, which means that it's not going to be on the platform for long. 
So I know some of you may have heard that it's on there and you're like, ah, it'll stay on there. Make sure you catch it before it leaves. So Violet and After Yang, two really excellent movies over on Showtime. El Planeta is now playing on HBO, uh, a nice little black and white comedy that was at the bottom of my list about this mother-daughter duo who just literally, I don't want to say jip people, but they always find a way to just make it by without uh, having to pay things. There's tabs everywhere. And I ended up falling in love with it. It's over on HBO. So if you're, you know, if you have the streaming service, best way to give movies like this a chance, El Planeta. Um, and then my final yeah. one is one that I know Zach absolutely adored out of Sundance. And I told him, yo, this is going to end up on the Criterion channel. Just watch. I Was a Simple Man is a movie that defies everything we know about editing in our movies. It is comple- it's too patient. The director called this a movie that goes with the movement of the waves in the ocean. If that intrigues you, then this is for you. I think it's a beautiful look at a Hawaiian man looking back at the history of his life. Uh, it's not going to be for everyone. It, it was, it was, I was vibing with it. I liked the frequency that he was working in. So Criterion Channel is the perfect place to have this movie. And if you have the Criterion Channel, if you have a subscription, then this is definitely going to be up your alley, I think. All right. Um, yeah, definitely some interesting movies there. I'd highly, highly recommend that Showtime duo that you brought up of After Yang and Violet. Like two excellent, excellent movies that Showtime's I would getting up there, put man. in my yeah my picks for the week. Uh, you mentioned that there. You mentioned to me that there's a couple movies that I enjoyed. Uh, from festivals that are now available on Hulu, one of them being Captains of Zatari, which is this fascinating film about a group of uh, young refugees who are recruited into like the soccer camp. It's kind of like somewhere between hoop dreams and something and something that's got fictional elements. I don't like maybe between hoop dreams and bloody nose, empty pockets. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I thought this was a pretty fascinating movie. And uh, just in terms of, sides of the world that you see in this film. It's very, very interesting. Uh, so if it's a subject that interests you, I would recommend that. I'd also recommend if you're looking for a kind of charming romantic comedy vibe, Mark, Mary, and some other people. This one's directed by Hannah Marks, a pretty cool comedy about, uh, about polygamy and just like what you're willing to go through for your other person. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really led by these very, very charming performances from Haley Law and Ben Rosenfeld. So uh, if that's the kind of energy you're looking for, I would highly, highly recommend Mark, Mary and some other people. Although the, the thing to really check out this weekend that I know you left South by Southwest a little bit too early for is the return of Donald Glover and Atlanta. I mean, come on, man. That that's that's always the best show on TV when it's airing and we've been missing it for 3 years now. What's up with all these shows that are that have been off the air for like 3-4 years coming back? We're getting Barry soon, we're getting Russian Doll soon, we're getting Better Call Saul soon. All right, show me this poster. What do you what do you got? So they had this Ooh. This little pop-up shop. We'll be talking more about it. I just want to show it to you right now. Got a whole pop-up shop at South by. Did not get to see the premiere, but I know Tushar was talking. Shout out Tushar. He was talking about the the speech he gave. Got to go check that out. Some really cool posters that they gave out. They gave out straws. I'm going to show all this at the South by thing, but they had beans, Zach. They had Atlanta beans, coffee beans. And I know all the people Ooh. who grab the beans. They don't brew beans. You know I'm a coffee aficionado. I'm so upset. Yeah, man. that's so your if thing. if anybody went to South by and has those beans, let me know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I really want no them. guarantee on payment, oh. but, but maybe send them to him. Or if you're not a coffee drinker, Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, man, I'm so excited for the show. I think the trailer also looks awesome. 
Um, he described chairs. it as a. <laughs> I was oh, there's oh, so man. much. Yeah, it's so exciting. I mean, he described it as like a, a fairy tale season three. I'm I'm very very pumped for uh, more Atlanta. I mean, it is just one of the most ambitious and out there shows, and you never really know what you can expect from uh, a new episode of Atlanta. So very very pumped for that to be back. Uh, we're getting two seasons of Atlanta this year. That that is crazy. What? Season four is coming out in like September, bro. How long is each season? I, I want to say they're like ten episode seasons, and then it's done, and then no more Atlanta. I don't know. I'm gonna have to rewatch the whole thing. Mr. Wow. That Mr. and Mrs. Smith show better be good. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Um, I think we're we're just about done. If there's anything else you wanted to hit, I mean, we'll be back later this week with some thoughts on South by Southwest and some thoughts on the Oscar nominations, as well as maybe some films that we thought should have been there at the Oscar ceremony. Uh, so make sure to send us any thoughts you have on the Oscars if you want us to qu- uh, answer some questions. Also, thoughts Damn. on South by Southwest. Not too late to submit your 30-second uh advocacy video if you want to send us an email to intercutpod at gmail uh, with a clip of 30 seconds or less talking about why you think x person should win an oscar for x or uh why why Kristen stewart deserves to win best actress i mean think, i think we already got a submission for best actress but you know send us whatever you're passionate about we want to hear from inner, inner cuties and we'll include some of your clips on the on the show on the next podcast yeah we got some really awesome ones from uh josh and connor and people so please send in some more clips before we put out that episode um but i think that's about all for this installment of the weekend must watch. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at ZShevich, that's Z-S-H-E-V, as in Violet, I-C-H. And you can check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash multiplex show, where I, I did a little bit of a, like a breakdown of Sundance and navigating through 67 movies. So maybe you'll enjoy hearing some more of my thoughts over there. There we go. Open, open up those All right, curtains. what about you? You can find me over yeah. at LME Explain on Twitter, on YouTube, on Letterboxd, where I'm trying to log as much of the stuff that I can uh, as I'm catching up You've on everything. You've been doing well. 20, I try, Zach. Uh, everything a few from reviews from South By. <laughs> I know, finally, right? I felt why not? I'm here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and every week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can catch every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, whatever your favorite pod- podcatcher is. I like Overcast. I think we'll still be on SoundCloud, right? Like, I. It's just the platform change isn't going to be that bad. I think it'll still Sound be SoundCloud is canceled. <laughs> just look for the RSS feed. You'll be fine. Uh, make sure you're subscribed, not just to the audio. Definitely way to uh, foolproof that is to subscribe to the video podcast at well, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Intercut Weekly Must Watch streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday at 3 p.m., except for instances like today, where we'll, we'll let you know if you're following us on Twitter. And that's a good excuse to follow us on our social media. All of it is at intercutpod, whether it's Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. It's also Intercut Pod if you want to support us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month to get updates and uh, episode outlines and early access to some stuff, as well as the opportunity to come hang out in our monthly Google Hangouts. We'll do, as Art mentioned, one right after uh, the Oscars next week. So that'll be exciting, too. <laughs> uh, please leave us a comment, like the video, and consider heading into iTunes to give us that much-requested five-star review. And follow us on social media to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. 
Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, invite Rachel Zegler to the Oscars. What are you guys doing? She's very charming. A lot of people like her. She's good on red carpets.